and I just figured a state school is more practical and I can still make it into an amazing experience and not spend a ton of money. So how do you get all that done? Working and going to, you know, excelling in school and all that? I honestly don't really, I don't sleep. (laughs) Welcome to WCSU 411, where you get the inside information about everything happening at Western Connecticut State University. I'm Paul Steinmetz, and today we're talking with Krista Scriven, the most recent WestCon student to earn a Fulbright scholarship. As you'll hear, Krista is almost as excited as we are about her accomplishment. We will also talk with Chantel Williams, who will bring us the news about upcoming events on campus. But now let's talk to Krista. Krista, congratulations on winning this Fulbright Scholarship. What a great accomplishment. Thank you so much. Have you been working for it for a long time? I have. I Since I was a freshman, I kind of had the idea that I wanted to apply for Fulbright, but it almost seemed um, unrealistic. Hmm. So I'm very, I, I think I just viewed it as like so competitive and I was like, there's no way that I could get one. I mean, I'll apply, but I'm not, it's, you know, I'm not going to get it. Yeah. But. And what made you think when you were a freshman that it was, it would be a good idea? Because ever since I was little, I wanted to be a teacher. Mm. That's always kind of been the path I want to take. But recently, I kind of found a love for languages and linguistics. Mm. And that was when I kind of realized I want to teach English as a foreign language. And I learned about the Fulbright and how that's the perfect opportunity to do so. Right. And um, so your major is English here? My major is professional writing, hmm. and I've kind of put in my put my own twist on it, and I've taken um, languages to kind of add like a linguistic aspect to it because yeah, I couldn't major in linguistics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've taken Arabic and Spanish, and kind of done my own thing with that. Yeah, there's a lot of offerings here actually for that, right? There are. It's amazing. And you're good at that. I love it. I I absolutely love it. Like in my free time, I'm pulling out my index cards and like studying all these languages and I'm playing Duolingo on my phone and I'm listening to music and weird languages. And I love it. Yeah, that's cool. And so uh, how do you, what's the process for uh, applying for a Fulbright then? So first I had to meet with um, Dr. Whittemore. Um, Mm. He's like the Fulbright coordinator for Western. And we met and just kind of got to know each other. And we actually developed like a really kind of like a really nice friendship. We really got close. And um, he gave me the basic ideas, like the basic process, like you have to write these two essays, you need to get references, etc. So then I, I have to write two essays, I have to write a statement of grant, which is basically, what do I want to do when I'm out there? And a personal statement, which is basically, this is who I am, and this is why I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote those and I brought it to the committee, which is a couple different professors. And my first meeting, you know, my essay was a little off. There were there needed to be some edits. I missed a couple things. So then I had a second meeting and it really just months, months of editing it. I at one point deleted the whole document and rewrote it because I wasn't <laughs> feeling it. <laughs> and as I just wanted it to be perfect and I had to get three references and then uh, the Fulbright Committee had to write me a reference as well. Mm. And this, then the Fulbright Committee here? Yes, mm-hmm. the Fulbright Committee here, just because they were like no, getting to know me. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of their opinion. And then um, uh, about a month ago, I was informed that I was a semifinalist. Mm. So that were, so because of that, I um, 
interviewed through Skype with the uh, two women from Bulgaria, the Fulbright coordinators over there. Mm-hmm. And that was a terrifying, <laughs> very <laughs> nerve-wracking because it was Skype. And uh-huh. It was very scary, but I, I think it did end up going well. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> How did it... How did you did you choose Bulgaria or how did that happen? I um so I met a professor named Jeannie Hatcherson and mm-hmm. a professor of anthropology my freshman year and she um has her own organization called Coralville it's a nonprofit and she volunteers at a social home in Vratsa Bulgaria every year and this was she was like, you know, you should come on it. And I had never left the country. I didn't even have a passport. Mm. And I spoke with my mom, and we decided it would be, a, like, maybe a good opportunity. So I ended up going and working at the social home with the kids. They were from 6 to 16, and I, I loved it. Over the summer? Over the summer, yeah. Mm. And it was just the most amazing experience of my life with the kids. And I, I just got remarkably close to them. So then the next summer I went again, and then the third summer, which is uh, 2018, I worked with the SGA, and I um, actually secured SGA funding from um, Western, and that allowed me to bring uh, 20 WestCon students with me, and I served as the advisor. And in that case, I played like a more important role in the trip. I did more with like the activities and the planning, the little details, and, you know, we're going to take them to visit the caves, and how are we going to coordinate this? And it was, and so this year, I'm also being, I'm also going to be the advisor of the trip and going back to the social home with a couple students, and I just fell in love with it. I love the country, and and then I was like, this is where I want to do the Fulbright. This is where I belong. So is the social home like an orphanage? Yeah, it's basically, it's mm-hmm. in some of the kids, um, a lot of them actually do have parents. The parents just um, couldn't afford to support them adequately. Mm-hmm. So the children end up in the home where they can be provided with like food and, and a shelter. Um, a lot of them have babas, which is grandma and grandf- and grandfather. And they kind of serve as the parent role and kind of get them clothes and snacks and take them out on adventures. So it's a little bit um, different than like a, a typical orphanage. Yeah. So you really know a lot about Bulgaria. I mean, you're kind of, um, you're familiar with it. I am, and I I love I love that country so much. And I have um, uh, there's a woman named Maya who lives in Danbury who grew up in Bulgaria, and I visit her house and we have coffee dates. And she's tutored me, and she has taught me so much Bulgarian, and she's taught me about the culture and their holidays, and just she it's just so nice knowing someone because. The children don't speak in any English, Mm -hmm. so she really was able to get me to a point where I can have conversations with them and and get to know them because you can't really connect with someone until you can speak their language, Mm -hmm. and that's why I got so into linguistics, and that's why I make the English lessons for them, and I teach them. Like, I'll do a bingo game and, like, because they have a Cyrillic alphabet. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, this is the English letter. This is the Cyrillic equivalent. This is how to write your name in English. And they love it because they want to learn English so bad. They're just not given the chance. Right. So what a journey that you, I imagine, couldn't have even uh, imagined, right, when you first started as a freshman, meeting Professor Hatcherson and ending up in Bulgaria and... Wow. Yeah, I would have had no idea because I was a science major at first, and yeah. I just hated every second of it. it was, <laughs> this is not for me. I have no passion for this. 
And then it wasn't until I went to Bulgaria for that first time that I came became more tuned with my passion and really what I want to do. Hmm. And you're going again this summer too? Yes. Bringing students from Wescon? Mm-hmm. And then when do you start the uh, Fulbright work then? They're very, it's funny because they're, they actually fall pretty close to each other. Mm. I'm going to the uh, orphanage in the first week of August, coming home for about a week, a week and a half, and then I'm leaving again in the middle of wow. August to go mm. back for the Fulbright. <laughs> oh my gosh. And uh, as your mom talked about going to visit you there? Oh, my mom had the her whole trip planned before I even got it. Oh. <laughs> we're going to Poland, and we're taking a pierogi class, and we're going to visit Auschwitz, and we're going to go to Romania and see Dracula's castle. And she's she she already she has a ton of vacation time because that woman just never stops working. So mm-hmm. she's taking a whole month off, and she's going to oh, come just great. stay with me in my apartment. So we're we're thrilled because she hasn't gotten to travel a lot. So yeah. it's very exciting. A lot of times. Uh, the Fulbright scholars don't know a lot about where they're going. They haven't been mm. there before, so that'll be a real advantage for you. I think so. And knowing the language, I think, is going to help a lot. And I, I aspire to kind of like achieve true fluency in the language mm-hmm. and to really immerse myself in it and to get to a point where people just don't just don't speak English to me, like just speak mm-hmm. Bulgarian. Mm-hmm. That's so you the have goal. to learn how to read it and write it too. Then, huh? Yeah, that was my first. I can read it and write it um, pretty effortlessly. It's kind of understanding it that gets hard because it's a very, very different than English. Mm-hmm. Is the syntax and the structures very different, but I'm getting there. <laughs> oh, that's great. So uh, did there were other students here applying for Fulbrights too, right? Same time you were? I could be wrong, but I, I actually don't think that this year anyone else mm. from Western applied for a Fulbright. But last year, um, someone uh, did, and, and I think she got it. She's in Estonia yeah. teaching English. Yep. Yeah, we interviewed her too. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> what? I think she's still there. She stayed there after the Fulbright. Oh, wow. So were there a lot of people, you think, competing for Fulbrights in Bulgaria? There, I think there were. Um, I was looking up kind of like statistics online, just kind of out of curiosity. And I believe it was almost 200 mm. who applied, like worldwide who applied. And then when they did the semifinalists, they cut it down to um, 50 people. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's not, Bulgaria isn't as competitive as some of the Fulbrights are. But um, it still is a, was a pretty, yeah. pretty good amount of people going for it. So... Um but most of them weren't probably uh, saying Bulgaria is my place. I can't go anywhere else, right? Yeah. I mean, they, you wouldn't. <laughs> luckily, they didn't say, "Hey, you have to go somewhere else." That would have been that would have devastated me. Yeah. Because of course, it's an honor to get a Fulbright, but then on top of it, the biggest like in my eyes, the biggest blessing about the whole thing is that I'm going to be in the country that I love so much and it has like these the kids in the social home I've known them for you know four years now I've watched them grow I I I want to be around them more I want to find more ways to help them because it is like devastating every year when I have to leave them Mm. the thought that I'm going to be able to hop on a train and see them like whenever is just like 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 it gives me chills honestly (laughs) like to think about seeing them more often that's why that's why I was so stuck on Bulgaria I can't imagine having gotten put anywhere else you get to be, you'll be teaching, this is a teaching scholarship, right? So are you teaching uh, in the same uh, city as the kids or near it? I'm actually not sure yet. They're going to notify me of that probably in like a week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, they mentioned in the interview that they might put me where the kids are, but hmm. 
I'm I'm not sure. But even if I get put like in the capital or even if I get put on the other side of Bulgaria, I'll still be close enough where I can see them more than once a year. Anything's better. (laughs) (laughs) Right. How long does it take to take a train across the country? I am not sure about if you're going across the country, but I know like if you're in the capital, like right in the center, Mm -hmm. it's about two hours to get anywhere. So Mm. it's not it's not not too hard. Yeah, it's not too bad. So even if I get put like way up north in the mountains, I'll Mm. be able to make it happen. And do I mean, it's a fairly I was looking it up because I didn't really know anything about Bulgaria. (laughs) So it's. You know, fairly modern, right? It's not like it's all destitute or in poverty, right? Yeah, it's it is like relatively. It's the poorest country in the European Union. Oh, it, is, yeah. it is. So their um, wages are a lot lower, and the I wouldn't say it's impoverished, but like the the lifestyle is a lot different. It's mm-hmm. a lot um, simpler. It's not very glamorous the way that um, some European countries seem. But it, um, they make up for it because it's still, even though they don't have, like, the kind of wealth and riches that some countries do, it's the happiest people, hmm. the happiest, sweetest people. And the culture is so rich. Like, they have, like, that traditional folk culture. And you just see, like, the holidays and the events and even their Independence Day mm. is just, like, a massive celebration. So it's a very, like, happy and vibrant, very vibrant country, I'd say. Mm-hmm. So they used to be uh, part of the Soviet bloc, right, until yes. the 80s? Mm-hmm. And do you still see some of that, too, leftovers of that? Uh, they're mm, kind of some of the, from what I understand, the Soviet bloc countries are kind of like gray. They don't uh, – it's taken them a while to get out of that communist overlord kind of thing. It's very much there's um, there's a huge Soviet influence on mm. their architecture and on the buildings, especially in Vratsa where I go. They're very it's very um, clear and there's a heavy um, Russian influence mm. on their language, um, which I like find very interesting. There's a lot of influences from their um, from the Soviet period. I, yeah. I feel I feel like I'm saying it wrong, but but yeah. yeah. And I read that there's a lot of, or a fair number of Romanians there too. Is that uh, a reference to gypsy, what they would call gypsies in Europe? Yeah, um, and the children who I work with are Roma, uh-huh. and um, it's very in Bulgaria. The Roma are very uh, kind of, they're treated very different. They're very marginalized. They're, the gypsies are treated very poorly, mm-hmm. and the you can it's evidenced in the orphanage. They have a school, a beautiful school, right in their backyard. And I'm talking like they play basketball, throw the ball, it ends up in the schools a lot. Like it's right there, and they actually can't go to that school because they're Roma. <laughs> they go to a school that's 30 minutes away, and they have to walk 30 minutes every day to get to this school. And that is just, you know, one of the most heartbreaking things. And, you know, some of the children have par- have parents in the some of the kids are living with the parents and some of the kids got put in orphanage. And mm. um, many people think it's because they might have like a parent who's Roma. Mm. It's very it's sad how marginalized they are in Bulgaria. Do they have a public school system like we do or how would they how do they choose where these kids get to go to school? I'm not quite sure um, the kind of their details. As far as I know, um, based on what I've looked into, their their school system is very 
similar mm -hmm. to ours. So it makes me kind of wonder how they don't just go to the school that's right in their backyard. There must be um, politics. Mm -hmm. There must be something behind it that we don't know about. Do uh, Does the people you work with in the uh, social home get involved in politics much? No, no, I think they mostly stay out of it. They they more they work with a lot of nonprofits and the mm. nonprofits really keep them keep them running and, and help them a lot. There's a woman named Albana and she runs um, Tabitha Foundation. Mm. And the Tabitha Foundation um, does so much work for the social homes all over Bulgaria. Mm. And Albana is just like the sweetest, most wonderful woman. She I got a big giant spider bite last time I went there. Mm. It almost looked like poison. It was so scary. And she drove me to the hospital and she just took such good care of me. She's such a nice lady. That's and good. She does a lot for, for the orphanages and for the kids. She's kind of dedicated her life to it. Now you'll have the Fulbright's uh, network, right? If you get another spider bite or something, don't they kind of take <laughs> care of you there? <laughs> yeah, it's good to have that support because as thrilled I am, as thrilled as I am about the Fulbright, it is, you know, a little nerve-wracking to think I'm moving halfway across the world all by myself. I don't mm -hmm. know anyone. <laughs> so it's nice that I'm going to have a network and of people supporting me, and I'm going to have other Fulbright scholars with me who I'm going to yeah, develop relationships and friends with. Are you going to be, are there going to be other Fulbright students uh, teaching in the same place you are? I believe so. I'm not quite sure, but I think they kind of put a few people in each town. That's good. Yeah, that, that would be really good to have someone kind of in the same situation as me. And what do your friends here say about it when you say, hey, I'm going to Bulgaria? <laughs> my Well, most people are like, what's Bulgaria? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where is that? But um, my, my close friends who know uh, what Bulgaria is and what it means mm. to me, they're just... They're just thrilled. I think a lot of friends are they're sad that I'm going to be going and gone for a year. But most most people are like, Bulgaria, that's so cool. I want to come visit you. Like, I want to see <laughs> Bulgaria. That sounds so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> most people probably haven't thought too much about Bulgaria until you talk to them about it, right? Yeah. And, and Bulgaria kind of gets neglected. I mean, mm -hmm. it is a beautiful country. Like, mm -hmm. their capital, Sofia, is it's like a scaled down New York City. It is just full of arts. It's full of art and there's mountains like just over the buildings. It is gorgeous. Mm. So it's and there's people dancing in the street. It's so fun and it's safe. That's cool. Yeah. I heard that or read that only 60% of the population has access to the internet. Yeah. So that could be a problem for you if they send you up into the hills, right? I've kind of thought about that. There, there is a chance. There is a chance. But I, I'm, I think I'd be okay with it. I think it would almost be kind of like cleansing to be away from kind of the modern day technologies that I've grown so reliant on. Mm -hmm. I think I'd be, I'd be happy if I get put in a very modern city, and I'll be happy if I get put in a village in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And God, I, either way, I think I'm going to make the most of it. I guess they still have telephones, right? So yeah. your mom can call you. <laughs> yes, that's important. I got to be able to talk to my mom. <laughs> I would be lost if I. I can't talk to her. <laughs> so you uh, were very busy here on campus, even or in addition to working toward a Fulbright, right? What kinds of things have you been doing? Yeah, I um, when I was a freshman and a sophomore, I was a student ambassador. So I, uh, you know, gave tours to the students and worked in the admissions office. And then I um, interned at the University Publication and Design Office where, yeah, yeah and, and that was really fun because I wrote a lot of the um, posters and brochures and a lot of the marketing material for Western. And then I, from there, I, after that, I studied abroad in England for a semester. Hmm. And that was just like 
a really, really cool experience. Mm -hmm. I, I loved that. And then I worked in the writing center as a writing tutor. I've TA'd for a couple of courses. I think my favorite is uh, probably I TA'd for Honors 100 with Dr. Cook, and that was just so cool because he really let me take the reins, and I loved, that was my first real experience teaching, and I was teaching the freshmen, and they were so bright and so excited. It's my first semester of college, and I'm in the <laughs> Honors program. It was wonderful, and I TA'd for um, a 100-level writing class for um, different students who don't speak, um, mm. who are still learning English, and I really, I really liked doing that, and that kind of got my wheels turning, like, this is amazing. This is so cool. Cool because I was working with these students and they're from all over the world and they are so smart and they are so motivated and they just want to learn and yeah. I loved I loved TAing mm. and I'm also a resident assistant in one of the dorms kind of like enforcing rules mm -hmm. doing rounds doing duty all that kind being of the cop, right? yeah kind of kind of like <laughs> being the like the tattletale kind of like having to tell on people <laughs> if they're breaking rules now it's not you know it's not super fun but. It, 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 it has had its experiences that have made it worth it. Mm -hmm. Where did you go to high school? I went to Kennedy High School in Waterbury. Oh. I was in the SOAR program. Hmm. What's that? It's students of academic renown. So it was kind of because uh, Kennedy is a public school. Mm -hmm. And then it was kind of like a subset in the school where they you, your classes were harder and you were kind of held to a different standard. Mm -hmm. And everything was like very accelerated there. So you grew up in Waterbury? I did. Born and raised in Waterbury. That's great. And why did you choose Westcom? I I was kind of in the mindset of I want to go to a fancy private school and I want it to be really pretty and glamorous. And then I did a lot of school visits and I visited Westcom. I kind of was like, oh, I don't really want to go to Westcom. I want to leave Connecticut. I want to branch out. And I loved, I loved it when I took a tour. I loved it here. And I realized, you know, obviously numbers were crunched and I didn't want to be in a lot of debt. And so I've actually waitressed and worked 40, 50 hours a week my entire time here. And I've completely paid school off. I have no loans, no debt. And it's like an amazing feeling to know because I could have gone to private school and been, you know, $75,000 in debt at this point. And yeah. I just figured a state school is more practical and I can still make it into an amazing experience and not spend a ton of money. So how do you get all that done? Working and going to, you know, excelling in school and all that? I honestly don't really, I don't sleep. <laughs> I, I kind of like try to like train my body like four or five hours a night because I got to get up, got to get moving. Like it, it's been very hard. It's mm. been very, very hard to balance it all. Um, but I've somehow, I've somehow managed to do it. I kind of, there's been a couple things I've had to give up on. Like I was working in the writing center and I absolutely loved it, but it was just so much pressure on me and I needed to clear up some time. But I've survived it somehow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, maybe it'll be easier once you're in Bulgaria. I think I think it's going to be nice as it's not going to be, you know, working five doubles in a row on the weekend and right. waitressing and all this other. It's just going to be me focusing on teaching and focusing on what I really want to be doing, honestly. After your Fulbright is done, you want to be a teacher, right? Yeah, that's the that's the goal. I think I'm going to um, hopefully go to grad school after the full where I can get my master's in um, elementary education. And But I, I'm not sure because I kind of am thinking about maybe looking into the Peace Corps, the United Nations, 
linguistics. I kind of have like a lot going through my head, a lot, a lot of options that I'm deciding between, and I'm hoping that doing the Fulbright is going to provide me with some clarity. I think it's going to be a really like eye-opening experience, and mm. it's going to kind of help me determine my path. Sounds like it'll be amazing. Thank you. I'm I'm thrilled. <laughs> Thanks for coming in today and talking with us and uh, telling your great story. We're very proud of you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Okay, if you're listening to this, you know that WCSU 411 comes to you from Western Connecticut State University, which offers a high-quality, affordable education. You should also know that if you have questions about enrolling at WestCon, send an email to admissions at wcsu.edu. And now, recorded live from the basement of Whitehall, here's our co-host, Chantel Williams. How are you doing, Chantel? I'm good. How are you? That's good. <laughs> I'm good, too. I didn't answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about something before we started. I heard from a couple of our devoted listeners to WCSU 411. They both like the podcast. One of my friends, Nelson Merchan, works for the state helping small businesses grow in the region. Mm -hmm. And he listens all the time. He's very happy to hear Andy Cabell, the owner of Arthur Murray Dance Studio on Main Street. And another friend named Mike Kolchny, who runs the Innovation Center on Main Street, said he listens all the time. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Neither of them, however, have given us a five-star rating. Oh. No, or left a comment <laughs> saying how much they love us. <laughs> And then I noticed that none of your supposed friends have done so either. No. <laughs> and you said, you've been saying that you've been talking yeah. it up with your friends, <laughs> but they haven't uh, said anything. I know. I have to call them out now. Yes. Like, rate us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And make sure they give us a good rating, too, right? right? Because that's what we deserve. <laughs> right. All right. So you do. You work on that, and I'll work on these guys. <laughs> we got to get them together. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So how's it look for the coming week? Oh, it looks pretty good. We have a lot of events, a lot of different types of events mm. that I'm excited about. Uh, some of them a little odd, but they're fun. So hey, that's college, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and as it starts to get hot outside, we're going to see a lot more events hopefully taking place in like the nice uh, warm weather, mm. which we had like this past week. And even today is really nice outside. It's nice, right? So hopefully it stays consistent like that for the uh, rest of the remainder of the school year, which is like not long. It's no, like 38 days good. left or something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. So um, the first event that we have, it will be taking place April 10th, 6 to 8 p.m., and it's called Spray Safe, Play Safe, Tick Control Gets Real. Hmm. <laughs> and it's a series of original film shorts uh, presented by WCSU Tickborne Disease Prevention Laboratory. And it's in cooperation with the Town of Richfield Health Department to promote safe practices in preventing tick bites. Um, this will... Uh, this film will be presented, um, again, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Richfield Playhouse. Um, so, yeah, it should be interesting. I never thought about watching uh, short films about tick prevention, but um, as I was listening to the news today, they were saying something about tick outbreaks and safety. No, really? Yeah, so hmm. I was like, hmm, I'm like, it goes hand in hand with, with this event, and uh, I guess it's important to hear about, you know, how to prevent a tick illnesses or diseases mm -hmm. that uh, ticks carry. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it should be pretty interesting to see, like, short films on it. <laughs> so you never uh, thought about ticks before tick No. I, like, I, I know, like, because I participated in seventh grade, like, this thing called Nature's Classroom. So we were, like, out in the woods and everything. And so that was kind of, like, my first time being exposed to, like, what a tick is, kind of. But, I mean, 
it was seventh grade. I didn't really like know yeah. <laughs> like what exactly it take, how harmful it could be. So have you gone outside since seventh grade? <laughs> I have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have gone outside. Ticks are all around. I know, but like you just it's not something you know, you kind of think about when you step outside, you're like, oh, my God, you know, mm-hmm. am I going to get hit by a tick? Like, <laughs> is this not something that comes to my mind? If you watch these <laughs> sh- film shorts, you will start to right. never think, think about anything else. No, I know. Now, every time I'm afraid, I'm kind of afraid to watch it because now every time I'm going to go outside, I'm going to be like, oh, God, you know, there's mm-hmm. one around. And now I'm going to be walking around in a whole suit, like, like in what? a whole bubble. So that they <laughs> get to me. That's what they want. <laughs> right. Nita Connolly is the professor and uh, Rada Krell, who works with her are um, they want us all to be lathered up with deep <laughs> and uh, have our pants stuck in our shirt and our <laughs> socks and stuff like that wow. all the time so where's these shorts going to be shown in Ridgefield Playhouse oh the famous Ridgefield Playhouse yeah I like the name of it it's spray sa- spray safe play safe take control real mm-hmm. gets real I like that R-E-E-L. It, it does get, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real. <laughs> I like that. That's very creative. <laughs> so whoever came up with that name, I like it. Oh, I'm sure they're very proud of it. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think that would be a great event. Um, make sure to come out tonight because um, to learn more about tick prevention and things like that. And, you know, I actually like a personal experience, like not literally with a tick, but there was actually um, a woman that I know who got bit by a tick um, mm-hmm. and now she has like Lyme disease. So and she just talked to me about the effects of Lyme disease and um, how she nice. had yeah, and how you know she gets sick and how she had to change her whole diet around. Mm. So, um, but she has like control of it and things like that. But you know, I just I had no idea. You know, like that can happen from just this little annoying bug. You know, so how long have you been living in Connecticut? I, my whole life. Oh, you weren't paying attention. <laughs> no, I mean I really like I used to go outside all the time, but like. I just, you know, when it comes to ticks, I just never thought about the effect it may have on me. Mm-hmm. Maybe my dog. I was, like, more afraid for my dogs because you hear about, like, <laughs> yeah. ticks, you know, and things yep. like that. I'm like, oh, they have to have, like, this special collar and things like that. But as far as me, like, I wasn't, like, aware. But now that there's a sense of awareness and things like that, I have to, you know, be more cautious. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, these bugs. Like, okay, maybe it's just not a pesky bug, you know? Like, <laughs> It's going to cause some serious damage. Yeah, you don't so, want Lyme disease. Right, no. So, yeah, so um, come out and learn about ticks yeah. <laughs> and tick prevention. WestCon does another good thing. Right. Another And another um, topic, like, that people don't know about. So it's all about, like, just getting stories out there that we may not be aware of and, like, just learning new things. Cause right. It's just there's multiple stories that happen and we just don't know about it mm-hmm. and it's um it's pretty interesting so we're the source of all information we are and it's really good like that we have the events on campus like that because like uh, i wouldn't have known about half of this information mm-hmm. uh that takes place just like the event that happened uh the past week within 120 years oh yeah um i went to that film and it was the knowledge that was presented in that film was incredible i had no idea you know this stuff was happening right in new haven connecticut like you would have no idea but i'm glad that we're on a campus that like allows us to like learn new stories and Mm -hmm. you know hear about things that we may not have heard about otherwise how did that guy seem um he like it wasn't scott lewis himself wasn't actually there but the Mm -hmm. filmmaker was so he was just telling us like um his perspective and how it went interviewing him and so the whole interview took place for for, like four hours so Mm -hmm. he did the whole thing from beginning to end and he did a the filmmaker. Um, he did an excellent job with the film. It was 
spot on. Um, and it was like it, it's touched into like your emotional side. Mm-hmm. But what stood out to me the most about the film um, was in the audience after, after when it was like the open panel. There was actually a woman in there whose brother just went through the same thing as mm-hmm. uh, Scott Lewis did. And for those of you who don't know who Scott Lewis is, he was a New Haven man that was sentenced to 120 years for a crime he did not commit for a murder. And he got exonerated after serving 21, 20 years of that crime. So, yeah. So he spent 20 years in prison for yeah. something that didn't uh, happen. Right. That didn't happen. Him, that and he, he constantly tried to get himself freed and, you know, try to get people to believe him, but nobody was believing him. So it took a Yale professor, actually, to <laughs> take his case. And she uh, assigned 40 of her law students to wow. the case. And they worked on it. And uh, they actually helped him through the process. But, um, yeah. So now he's do- he's actually doing very well. He's a real estate agent. He has his own <laughs> business and things like that. But it's just like, you know, 20 years of his life yeah. down the drain. <laughs> and the cop that, you know, that um, said that he did it and uh, he's actually living in Arizona and he never uh, got charged for it because the statute of limitations were gone. So, like, it was too late for him wow. to get charged for the crime. So, yeah. it was, And I, you know, I would have no idea that this happened, like, in Connecticut. Right. Like, you hear about stuff like this, but, like, not so close to home. Mm-hmm. So. It was pretty interesting to hear. That's good. So, yeah. And did a lot of people show up? I did. It was a great turnout. Oh, and then we had dinner afterwards. Mm. And so we got to talk and things like that. So it was actually a great event. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's what you miss out on if you didn't <laughs> get to come. That's right. Yeah, so um, I'm glad that we have more events like that. And just like the tick control that's happening tonight, you'll probably learn more information that you just had no idea. And it's yeah. actually like, oh, wow, like eye opening. So, that's true. Yeah. You're right. So that's why it's important to maybe go to events that you may be like a little skeptical about. Like, I don't know. It's not really my interest. But then you end up going. You're like, oh, wow. You know, I'm glad I came because mm-hmm. I, I left with a lot more knowledge than I did, you know, coming into it. So mm-hmm. I it's thought exciting. that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, April 13th, Play Therapy Spring Workshop. So WCSU Department of Education. Um, educational psychology and social work, me, will host a play <laughs> therapy workshop. Um, ch- it's called Child Parent Relationship Therapy and an, an Evidence Based Play Therapy Approach. And this will take place from 9 a.m. to noon in rooms 212 and 214 of the Campus Center um, at the University of Western Connecticut State University on Westside Campus. Yes, <laughs> it's hosted here, <laughs> Westside <laughs> Campus. Um, it's open to students and um, uh, faculty and also outside, you mm. know, the greater Danbury area. So parents, um, anybody, staff from other social services places can come and um, participate in this. The workshop is free and open to the public, but there is a $20 fee for uh, a certificate. So if you want to be certified after the end of the class, um, you do have to pay 20 dollars that's still pretty cheap that is very cheap for a certification <laughs> class um and it's a uh, just one day also so you get to g- get out of it with a certificate mm. and another thing to put on your resume <laughs> you know are you going to that one <laughs> i'm gonna try to yeah because mm. i would love to you know it's right up my alley kind yeah. of you know with children and um you know, it's a free workshop, so mm-hmm. you're not going to find many opportunities where you can get certified for just $20, and it's not too long. It's not going to take, a, like, a whole two days or a whole week, and you come out of there, like, you know, with the knowledge of play therapy, which is something, you know, I'm working with children. Maybe you can control them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right, and I, I, need to ex- I need to try it when I go to my, pr- my preschool. I need mm-hmm. to be like, okay, I learned something new. I'm certified, and let me try it. <laughs> let me see if it actually works so yeah that um that should be interesting so come out wcsu students even if you're not a part of social work psychology or uh 
education, I think it's still great because you can work with children in any career that you go to or just right. imp, uh, use utilize um, what you learn from this therapy in another way. So figure out how to um, understand children. Yeah, which is very we important. Because all come across them from time right, to time. Right, right. <laughs> we were all once children. And I, I bet we would like <laughs> if somebody used to understand us, you know. Exactly. <laughs> so it probably would have made our lives very easy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we got to um, think sometimes in a child's mind and be like, okay, what are they really trying to say? Can we try to understand and uh, <laughs> things like that? Like, I come across that all the time in my internship. So <laughs> it would be interesting to go to this workshop and then, implement it in my uh yeah. workplace so hmm. yeah i think that would be great to learn that i'm excited about this event actually coming up it's april it's on april 16th and it's a murder mystery dinner hmm. and i i've always wanted to do like a murder mystery like either dinner or like cruise because i know they have it so wcsu program activities council will host a murder mystery interactive dinner at 6 p.m in the ballroom of the campus center at university um Westside Campus, which is 43 Lake Ave Extension, for those of you who don't know where Westside is located. Mm -hmm. um, this event is free and open to WCSU students and their guests. So your guests don't even have to pay. It's wow. a free event. Right. That's awesome. So you can bring a guest. You guys can sit down, eat, and then somebody will get murdered and you have to figure <laughs> out and find the, the person who got murdered. Yeah. It sounds like a great time. <laughs> I don't know. I love it. So I probably want to be there. So uh, come out and uh, solve a mystery. Mm -hmm. It can be like, you know, Scooby-Doo or something. Like, just solve them. I love Scooby-Doo. So, like, yeah. <laughs> I would, like, I, it would I, be just like that, right? It would be. Because, mm -hmm. like, you know, they solve the mystery, like, all the time. So now we get to eat. And I don't know how it's going to happen. Like, I'm so excited to see, like, what the murder is. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, I know that sounds terrible. But, like, see, like, how they do it and, like, the clues and things like that. And from my understanding, you have to really, like, pay attention because it's just, you never know. Yeah, you can't just sit there and Right. Like, you just eat your food else. and, like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, you have to get interactive and participate. And it's for that to be a free event is awesome because I know, you know, sometimes you have to pay in order to do that. Um, at you have our, to have actors doing Yeah, so, right? you know, my mom, when I told my mom, I was like, we're hosting one, like, for free. She was like, really? My job did and we had to pay. And I'm like, well, see, you know, my school is doing it for free, so we get to solve the mystery and don't have to pay anything. Are you going to bring her dinner. as your guest? I, I should bring my mom, but mm. you know what? She'll probably try to take control of the whole thing and just, you know, try to, like, be the top detective. And just try to take the fun out. I'm like, okay, all right, Ma, we all, you know. But I might, I might bring her as my guest since you know it's free and we could bring a guest. So I might just see. But it sounds fun. Yeah. And that's just another uh, different event that's happening on campus that mm -hmm. you know that we brung. So yeah, take advantage of it. We really got to take advantage of these events. So again, this is happening April 16th at 6 p.m. on a Westside Campus Center Ballroom. Um. It also happening April 16th, Climate Change Lecture Series is starting to begin. The Jane Goodall Center of WCSU will host a series of talks about climate change and human civilization. Um, the final presentation of the series is called Human Cost, and it will be at 7 p.m. in room 125 of the Science Building, which is located on Midtown uh, Campus. And that should be interesting. Um, climate change is actually a very important topic, and we it's not often talked about as it should be. And we see the effects of it day by day, every day, with this up and down weather mm -hmm. and how it's affecting not only the animals, because most of the times, like, oh, how, you know, the polar bears don't have snow and, you know, ice and things like that. Mm -hmm. But it affects us also, you know. So uh, 
climate change is actually important and it's uh, I went to one of the lectures and it was very like enlightening about like the effects of it because even I was like okay why should I care about the mm-hmm. climate you know it rains it snows it's sunny it's just the weather but I didn't understand the effects of it so it's an important lecture it's scary yeah it is it, it is because even like uh this morning when I was watching the news like he was like it was somewhere uh I can't think of the state but they were preparing for a blizzard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we're in the middle of April. Like, <laughs> who's preparing for a blizzard? And I'm like, you know, it's supposed to be sunny and, like, rainy because, you know, yeah. it's April. But, you know, snow is not really, you know, something that we think about in April. So, mm-hmm. especially springtime. But it's happening. So. Oh, they're going to get hammered with two yeah. feet of snow out there in the yeah, Midwest. That, yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And I was just like, wow. Like, it, you know. Imagine if that was us, you know. Well, it has been us a couple of times in mm-hmm. those strange times, like that year that they canceled Halloween uh, right. because it snowed, and you know, you know, <laughs> not really something you know you would expect for Halloween, you know. No. And it was canceled, so I, you know, so it's pretty interesting. But again, that's an example of climate change, and uh, yeah. And Mitch Wagner is a professor who studies yes. climate change here a lot and is, uh, organizes us. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome lectures. So, that again, it will take place April 16th um, in the Science Building on Midtown Campus, um, room 125 at 7 p.m. <laughs> that Halloween, what were you prepared to go out as? Um, well, I don't celebrate Halloween, so I was... I, I, <laughs> This is kind of bad, but like I was kind of laughing. And like I was kind of happy because I was like, haha, I don't get candy, you don't get candy. <laughs> so I was kind of happy. But um, I, my friends, like they had their costumes and everything. And my little cousins, I felt bad for them. They had their costumes. One um, guy was going to be a ninja. He was very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, my other cousin, he was going to be some character. I forgot which character. Um, someone was going to be the Ninja Turtle. Um, yeah, so they had their costumes prepared, and I just remember, like, the kids were disappointed, but the parents were even more disappointed because they paid for the costumes, right. and, like, <laughs> and they were like, we went all, we did all this preparation, <laughs> and they canceled it. Who cancels Halloween? <laughs> they was like, you know, they could get a couple of snowblowers, you know, right. <laughs> they was like, they're like, no, you know, it's canceled, but, um, it actually was fine for me because I just sit in the house and, um, uh, watch like uh, scary movies anyway because that's our way of just because my mom even though we weren't able to go trick-or-treat we were still able to watch you mm. know Halloween movies so we just did our regular and it was kind of perfect because you know everything was kind of shut down anyway yeah. so we just watch movies <laughs> so do you have a thing against just Halloween or all holidays no no it's just Halloween uh. because of my religion I just we weren't able to celebrate Halloween <laughs> but yeah I mean yeah, but we were able to celebrate, like, uh, you know, Christmas and everything, every other holiday. Birthdays. Yeah, birthdays, mm. except for Halloween, like, <laughs> you know. But it's okay to have a birthday party um, and have a co- as a costume, you know, a costume party for your birthday. So, you know, I got it both ways. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I didn't get to, you know, dress up on Halloween, but I got to dress up, you know, for my birthday and whatever else. So, you know, oh, well. <laughs> so you didn't suffer too much. No, I didn't suffer. I was happy with the snow. I was like, all right, it's going to snow. So, okay, you know, I get to watch my movies anyway right. and now you're watching it with me so <laughs> i was kind of selfish but it was okay yeah it's all right <laughs> it's okay <laughs> april 18th there's going to be a step up against sexual assault um the women's center of greater danbury will host step up against sexual assault from 10 a.m to 2 p.m in the student center on midtown campus um, participants will write comments on a flag that will be placed on midtown uh campus to bring awareness about the issues um and that are around sexual assault um, I was able to volunteer with the Women's Center uh, last year during this um, 
during when they were doing the sexual assault awareness and it was awesome to see everyone writing like the positive messages on the flags and just seeing them like um flying you know as the wind was blowing and you walk past and you just see like the yeah. nice messages and so you never know like who has experienced what um so it's nice that you don't even have to come out and be like yeah i went through this you just see the message and you know it can brighten up someone's day and a lot of the times, you know, when I was at the table, they asked, well, what do I write? I don't want to say the wrong thing. And it was like, you know, write, just write from your heart. Mm -hmm. And someone just said, um, you know, something as simple as be strong mm. or you are strong or something like that. And that message can go so far. So um, it's it's not about writing like the wrong thing. It's just about being encouraging and writing from your heart, I feel. So mm -hmm. um, the Women's Center is doing an excellent job with this. They, I know they do it every year and they also do a lot of other programs and um so anytime that you're able or looking for a volunteer position, I would say go to them, which they're located here and they located uh, somewhere in Danbury or somewhere mm -hmm. else in Danbury, Danbury. Yeah, their main branch. Um, and they just have, they're wonderful, the work that they do. And it's not just for women, it's for men, it's for children, families. So they really cater to everyone. Yep. So I really do love this event. And um, it's so positive. Anything mm -hmm. positive on campus, I love to promote. Because, you know, it's just, it's nice to uh, see the support. Yeah. So do you think it's a, a, trying to get the message out to people who don't understand that sexual assault happens here mm -hmm. on, uh, you know, there's a lot of enlightened people on a college campus. Everybody right. should know about it, right? right? Or is it a message to say, hey, um, to remind us that there are people around us who yeah. have been um, uh, who are affected by sexual assault? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think it's a little bit of both mm -hmm. because there are people – who kind of know, but they like they don't really know. Like they heard about it, uh, but they don't really know the extent of it. So it's also an educational aspect. Um, but then there's also the people like we can't forget. Like there are um, people that have experienced this, so we have to be careful about the things that we say and the, the things that happen. And you know, we have to be sensitive and supportive mm -hmm. with that. So I think it's just um, putting that message out there. And also, if someone do has a question about sexual assault, I feel like there's no stupid question, you know? I'd rather you ask the question and then be educated on it rather than to just assume and then, you know, like have the wrong um, stance about it or whatever. So I, I think it's important that we just uh, keep an open mind and we also recognize, like, there are... Um, people that have experienced sexual assault and may not be open, you know, to talking about it. And a lot of people, like, they never have told anyone a day in their life they could be harboring it in, you know, whether you're it's women or men also. There's also mm -hmm. a stereotype of, like, men can't be sexual assaulted, but there are, you know. Oftentimes when sexual assault is talked about amongst, like, friends or whatever, it's in it's from women, like, oh, you know, you know, I heard of a woman that was raped or whatever. But um, it's not often talked about from, you know, a male perspective. So we try to open up that um, mindset also and realize like it's both genders you know it could happen to anyone any age you know so it's okay to talk about it and there's also people that may not have never said anything about it and have went through it so um it's mostly guys who don't get it right <laughs> a little bit <laughs> you know <laughs> we encourage we really do try to break like the stamp like the um what's the word um uh the barrier of like guys um like trying to be more open like about their feelings and things like that mm -hmm. because it's hard like I know guys like we talk to they have to keep like this exterior on them they have to be strong you know don't talk about it but we try to break that barrier with them it's like it's okay you know to talk it's okay to admit to you know you know and just um, realize like I have been through this and I have to you know I have to 
work on the steps to better myself and and try to um, move move forward in my lifestyle. And they have to. Some guys still have to be reminded about respecting women. Right? Yes, yes, definitely. We have to, especially you know, it's easy to maybe get disrespectful or anything like that. But we have to honestly remember respect um, when we go out to parties and things like that. You know, we have to remember just the basic things of like you know, no means no, and you know, things like that. And you know, you hear it many times before, but I don't think you can hear it enough mm. because if we heard it so many times before, why is it still happening? Mm. So it's just the point of yes, you may have heard it, yes, we may have said it like a hundred and one times, but we have to because it's still happening. Mm-hmm. So somewhere the message is not connecting. So we have to make sure it does connect. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good. Mm-hmm. So that's so important. So again, step up against sexual assault. Make sure you stop by the Midtown Student Center between 10 and 2, um, April 18th, and fill out a, a, a flag. And uh, yeah, give some encouraging words to um, someone who may need it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, those are uh, some of the events that are happening. And then I'm excited because West Fest Week is coming up, oh, yeah. and it's getting nice outside, and I'm going to try to go on the Coney Island trip. Yeah. Hopefully the tickets don't sell out because I've never been and I want to <laughs> go. So um, I'm excited about that, and um, the Leadership Banquet is coming up, you know, the big end-of-the-year awards and dinner yeah. and things like that. So there's a lot of exciting events uh, coming up, and uh, we'll probably talk about that stuff next week as it gets uh, further approach. But About all the awards you're going to yeah, get. Yeah, about... <laughs> I don't know about what I'm going to get. I'm hoping I get something. But <laughs> I'm going to be like, I do a lot. Like, my face is splattered on Yeah, no <laughs> but, kidding. But um, there's so many great leaders on campus, and it's just a perfect way to recognize, like, you know, we see your work, we see your hard work, and um, all that you do, and here's an award of appreciation, a token appreciation from yeah. us. So, yeah, it's cool. really nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good. Thanks for all the stuff you did today, and we'll see you next week, too. Definitely. (laughs) Thanks. That's all for today, but our producers, Scott Volpe and engineer Pete Puccio, are working hard to bring you another pod next week. Please don't disappoint them. They expect you to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, and to leave a comment or positive emoji. You can also listen in on Amazon Echo and Google Home, even in your dorm room, so you have no excuse. For Chantel Williams, I'm Paul Steinmetz, and this is WCSU 411.